Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Trainers Talks. Uh, this is going the, to be the accompaniment to my blog that's starting soon called Trainers Takes. This podcast should be going up about once a week. I'm going to be talking to all sorts of people. Um, I am your host, Noah Trainer. Uh, haven't said that yet. Sounds weird to say that, you know, saying like, yeah, I'm hosting my own podcast now. It's kind of cool. But um, it's going to be a conversational show. We're going to be doing interviews. Just going to be interviewing people I find interesting on a variety of topics. Today happens to be baseball with one of the biggest baseball fans I know, Luke Lagerman. He plays as well. Uh, he currently plays in junior college in uh, St. Louis. And we're just be talking about all sorts of things besides sports on this podcast, too. We'll have movie ones. We'll have music ones, television, pop culture. It's really going to all depend on the guest and what they want to talk about. But today we're talking to Luke. Uh, he's a buddy of mine from high school that I met my junior year. I'm currently in my freshman year of college, and so is he. Um, I'm currently a sport and entertainment management major at the University of South Carolina. Um, just a little bit of background on who I am and what I do. And it's really what's gotten me interested in podcasting and talking about sports on on the air like this, I guess, on the air, although it's not live. But uh yeah, Luke plays played baseball at our high school, and I was our senior year. I was the manager for like the team because you know sport and entertainment management major. I knew I wanted to do that going into college, and uh, I just helped with, like the equipment and stuff like that. I was basically an equipment manager, and that was a lot of fun. And we're gonna be sharing our love of baseball and my my casual fandom watching this recent World Series. But we're not just going to be talking about the World Series. We're going to be talking about the whole MLB playoffs a little bit. Uh, we both went to ALCS Game 2 in 2018, Red Sox versus Astros at Fenway Park because I am a big Red Sox fan. And when one of my friends went to Game 1, I was like, that sounds really fun. And we basically just kind of decided last minute because we didn't, I think we didn't have school the next day or something. It was on a Sunday we decided to go. So we're going to be talking a little bit about our experience there. Cause it's kind of cool to hear about live experiences like that and yeah i guess let's take it away all right luke how's it going it's going well how are you i am good thursday it's halloween the day of recording this not sure if we're gonna be able to get it up today still waiting for the podcast to be approved on apple and uh hopefully it'll also be going up on spotify soundcloud and youtube is the plan but uh, it's spooky season, and I love spooky season. I think I'm going to watch The Shining tonight. How about you? I will do the same, most likely. I just have some work to, to get done, and then uh, from there, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I actually had to get a purchase on iTunes on this new account to get like to be eligible for the podcast to go up. So I was like, you know what? I've never really watched The Shining all the way through, and it's been on my list and why not give it a, a watch? And I had a perfect excuse to buy it because I had to make some kind of purchase on iTunes to uh, to get this podcast up and running. But uh, that's really just a tangent, uh, just a little interesting anecdote. But real, what I really want to talk about first is just so you guys kind of understand who I am because it's the first episode and who Luke is because I'm sure he'll be making more appearances. I, I really do want to talk about what playoff baseball is like to see live because you watch it on TV and – Infamously, this World Series had the lowest ratings in MLB history, I believe. Lowest TV ratings in a, in a really long time, if not ever. But baseball is still, despite its 
slightly declining popularity in mainstream media is still really intense and really fun live. And we definitely experienced that at the ALCS last year. Yeah, that's that, that's that's for sure. Um, there's nothing like seeing, uh, I mean, a baseball game, but a playoff baseball game live. Uh, the, the energy, especially in a place like Boston, you just can't match that. And that was the game too that that Price was pitching, and he had he blew the game too because the previous series. Because when we played the Yankees, we were up one zero, we won in Boston, and then he just did not pitch well in game two and everybody's like oh here comes the price playoff choker narrative and we are going back to to uh the bronx tied 1-1 and then obviously the 16 to 1 game happened where my boy brock holt hits for the cycle and that was exciting and then then craig kimbrell almost blew game four but we squeaked it out because craig kimbrell just likes to create drama apparently oh he was scary <laughs> last year he was real scary even in the Astros series, I don't remember if it was Game Four or Game Five. He he freaked me out a couple times. If it wasn't for Benintendi's diving catch. Who knows how that series goes? But um, so Price was pitching Game Two, the game we went to, and I just looked it up, and it felt like he did better than he did based on the energy in the stadium. Because I remember when he walked off the mound, he got a standing ovation, but he actually gave up four earned runs in like really? four in four innings. I just looked it up on Baseball Reference. Yeah. Baseball reference, good sight. Yeah, I remember that basketball. same thing too. Because everybody was like cheering, like, "Yeah, Price, he's finally got his mojo back." Because he's pissed, he's pitched, pissed. <laughs> he's pitched against the Astros as well the last couple seasons. So, like, I was worried, but not as worried if we were playing the Yankees and he was pitching because the Yankees seemed to be his kryptonite the last couple years. But that really started what ended up being kind of a dominant postseason for him after that game. But yeah, not as great as I remember. Four earned runs, but we still had the lead when he came out because it was it was five two or no five four when he came out. Um, yeah, he definitely flipped the narrative uh, about his playoff woes. Um, but I think maybe with that that game, it's kind of how it started. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and I think as long as you're not giving up too many runs with the offense that the Red Sox had last year. Um, you're gonna be all set. Yeah, if you if you can get up the few guys are like gonna take did. care of you. Speaking of, in particular, Bradley Jack Jackie Bradley Jr. really took care of him. Also, South, former South Carolina Gamecock, you know, go Gamecocks. Um, a little homerism right there, but he hit this shot to to uh, to left field that you know how like you go to like a gymnasium and there's like padding on the walls, like. And there's like padding like that, um, not along the on the bottom of the green monster, but on the wall next to the green monster in left field. And the ball actually bounced off the ground, I think, and up onto that padding. And I don't exactly remember who was playing in left field for the Astros, but I just remember that he had to because there's a moment we're going to talk about later with that same player. I and I think it was Carlos Correa, but I don't quote me on no, that. No, I, I can't. Carlos Correa. Sure. I think it was Guriel. It might, yeah, it might have been Guriel. I think it was Guriel because Correa is shortstop. You're right, you're right. And he's really been an infielder. Um, I think it was Guriel, even though Guriel, I think this year played first more. Just showing my the fact that I'm a casual baseball fan and not not hardcore <laughs> like I am basketball. But um, don't worry, there'll be basketball podcasts in the future. But yeah, Jackie Bradley's shot jumped up onto the wall, 
and just kind of like hung there and rolled along the <laughs> along the like the mattress like padding like on the on the side of the the wall and the Astros fielder like had to like jump up there and like knock it off and then get it and throw it and I think it ended up being a triple that brought in like two or three runs and that's really that's what gave the Sox the lead and what allowed them to take Price out and for him not to be booed so <laughs> yeah that was kinda... definitely one of the more strange occurrences that I've seen live yeah um that was a very strange hit, but you know, so it's it's all about putting the ball in play. Uh, strange things can happen. Reminds me of like the the Randy Newman song from Toy Story. Strange <laughs> things, <laughs> or or stranger things. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just a, it was a great game to go to live. I remember they also the Pats were playing the Chiefs. It wasn't the AFC Championship game, obviously, because that's in January, but. The Pats were playing the Chiefs. It was like week six, and the Patriots didn't have such a hard, hot start to the season, and Mahomes was on fire. And they kept cutting back and forth to the game. The Pats had a big lead, um, and then later in the game, they kind of they kind of blew it, and they kept showing it on the Jumbotron at Fenway. And people are like, uh, like at least at least the Red Sox won tonight, but you know it kind of sucks that the Patriots blew this lead. And then because Tyree Kill went off in the fourth quarter, but then. Brady put together a game-winning drive, and Guskowski kicked the game winner, who unfortunately is now on IR. And we have Nick Folk, who missed three field goals against the Patriots when he was with the Bucks on Monday Night Football in in 2017 or 18, whatever season we we played the NFC South and lost to the Panthers too. That was and then lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Anyways, yeah, not 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 really confident in Nick Folk, but. That was just like an all-time Boston sports night, being in Boston during that night, because just everybody was so elated that that we had gotten out those two wins, a playoff baseball game, and then the Patriots winning and beating the Chiefs was just like everybody was losing their minds on the on the T on the way home. That's yeah. what they call the train if you're not from Boston, the T. Um, yeah, it was a it was a ton of fun, worth the money. We got really good seats for pretty cheap. It was like two hundred bucks a piece, and uh, we were sitting in between home and first base, only like not that far back from the field. Yeah, it was really surprising. We got some pretty good tickets. Uh, I thought they were cheaper than that. They pretty sure they 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 were around they, they were around two hundred, I think. Gotcha. Give or take but, a little uh, bit. But either way, yeah, very good seats. So there, there. One thing about Fenway, all the obstructions that they have on their fields or in their stadium, with that one uh, support beam that was kind of in our way for a little bit of it. Um, it was a little bit, uh, a little bit annoying, a little. But I mean, I guess that's what makes yeah. Fen- Fenway special. <laughs> that's what makes Fenway special. Yes. Buying two hundred dollars tickets and not being able to see what's going on. Yeah, I think there's <laughs> even a few seats that like are fully obstructed. I mean, I'm not sure that might be a myth, but uh, that 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 is the word on the word on on, on the street. The that's what that's what they're out here saying. Yeah, it's like that SNL skate, Black Jeopardy. It's a good one. They out here saying. <laughs> <laughs> we actually. In in one of my stats, stats classes in in high school, we we watched that in class. That was fun. Um, it was an interesting time, but it was funny. Uh, <laughs> but there was this guy there too. We had some interesting stories to tell from that game because there was this guy sitting next to us, and you know, 
we're we're not 21 right now and we weren't 21 then obviously because you age but there was this guy sitting right next to us who kept asking us how old we were and he's like you guys 21 we're like no and he's like all right and he he's like do you want my beer he's like i don't want it and we're like nah we're good and he's like are you sure and we're like yeah we're okay dude sorry like and he's like okay and like he he waited like 20 minutes and this is like the second inning and he's already drunk out of his mind no he was this 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 man was zapped yeah his his wife was just like he his wife too was asking him questions about like because what was going on like she's like asking him like what makes that like i think it was a double play or something like that i remember but like there was some confusing call and like she was asking clarification and like him trying to explain it while drunk was hilarious because he did not have the words or the current brain capability to do it and he was just getting frustrated and she was getting frustrated and it was interesting like i said still the second inning fourth and then fourth inning comes around he goes hey do you guys want my beer it's like he hasn't taken a sip out of it he's just been holding it it looks the exact same we're like nah man you asked us earlier we said no he's like all right and then he pulls like a fucking like dab pen out of his out of his coat oh by the way the the podcast is marked explicit but yeah they're swearing on this podcast um in case you didn't know he pulls out the dab pen he's just like it was so fun just like right there right next to us using it we're like all right dude (laughs) yeah uh, it was all bets were off at that time yeah and he was a little bit drunk and then uh, he was taking hits off the dab it was it was it, it was game over for him and the astros yeah that's that that's really when the series flipped and also probably that's when his marriage flipped so <laughs> yeah but, it must, uh, must have been a far a fun car ride home night well i think they left early yeah they did because that was the next thing i was gonna say that happened in like the fourth inning fifth inning we didn't see him for the rest of the night no he was gone he, he was he was gone physically and uh spiritually emo- emotionally financially all right <laughs> Yeah, LeBron, finance, you know, Daryl Morey was uneducated and he could have been, <laughs> he could have hurt me financially, uh, uh, not financially, but also physically, emotionally, spiritually. Shut up, LeBron. You don't know what you're talking about. Stupid NBA China. LeBron is a, is a communist, but, uh, <laughs> hot take, hot take. There's going to be a lot of hot takes on this podcast later, specifically about umpires, AJ Hinch. And whether or not the Nationals took Scherzer out of Game 5 on purpose. So stay tuned for our hot takes. That guy, man, I, I just keep coming back to him. It's so funny. Every time I go to a, a Red Sox game at Fenway against the Astros, because I went, I went with uh, this friend of ours from Canada this this season, which unfortunately did not ended without us making the playoffs. But I went to another Astros game at Fenway, and this dude, man, he was just like, same exact thing dude drunk off his mind but instead of it being his wife he was like sitting next to this girl that he clearly didn't know and this dude is like he looked 50 or 60 years old like hitting on like a 20 year old and this was like two seats down from me and me and this guy that i went with we were just like laughing our butts off the entire time like we were like dude give it up it's not happening and like he was trying hard man he was buying her drinks the whole night and being real creep so not not an indictment on boston at all but every time i go to a red sox astros game there's there's some there's some creep show drunk fellow 
making making moves and <laughs> make, make making a move right right to the jail cell for the night. So, oh boy, yeah. yeah actually, I that, that was actually my second Red Sox Astros game. Um, I think a year before that. So that was our that was last year, our senior year. So my junior year, uh, I was at the game where the Nash uh, where the sorry where the Red Sox actually clinched the playoffs when they were playing the Astros where they clinched their first place spot uh, nothing strange or odd happened there um, I was there with my uncle and my cousin um, but when kind of kind of a cool story um, it was the bottom or no top of the seventh um, bases loaded David Price came in to relieve for I think it was um I think maybe it was Porcello. And uh, like I said, bases loaded, George Springer up to bat. Um, and then Price strikes him out. Uh, Christian Vasquez is, is, is catching. I'm I'm sitting probably 20 rows behind the Red Sox dugout. So Vasquez grabs the ball, jumps up in the air, throws it as high as he can. It's it's into the stands, and I'm watching. I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching. Come down. It hits a railing right in front of me. It comes screaming right right towards me, and I catch it. And my and my uncle, huge Red Sox fan. He's I said he's he, he I know he wants that ball. He almost pushes me pushes me over to to, to have it. <laughs> but uh, I, I secure the, the the ball. And I still have that to this day. So kind of a cool little memory. And then uh, from there, they went on to win that game. And that was and this, that happened to be against the Astros too. You still have that ball? I do still have the ball. I think I've played catch a, a few times because I've gotten multiple balls at uh, different games that I've gone to. Where do you know, have that? Kind of like, St. Louis, Virginia, or Connecticut? Uh, I don't know. I think I've I've lost track of that now. Where that ball could have gone? Because again, I think I've played catch with it a, a few times, and maybe it's in my bag. But uh, so I've, I've gotten so many that. That they're just that you just kind of realize that they're just baseballs. So, I mean, yeah. it's still a ton, a ton of fun getting them, but said it's fun to grab them. Said actually, the last uh, Sox game I was at Memorial Day this past year, um, I got a toss up in the outfield, and I was standing behind these two, say probably nine and ten, ten year olds, and I'm six foot five, so I just re- reached over and grabbed the ball, and the kids were complaining, "Why did you throw it to me?" <laughs> and uh, oops, sorry. You, it's it's fun to crush dreams. Do you remember the guy against the Yankees? Not this season, but last season, the season where we went to the ALCS. The, it got hit, Judge. No, it was Stanton hit it into the monster, and the guy in the monster caught it and threw it back and actually hit Stanton while he was running the bases. Yeah, that was something back. else. That, that, was, that guy should be – he should have a statue outside. He should. There, should. there should be a statue outside. Finley. There should be a portrait of the – of the here comes the pizza moment. Do you remember that? It was on the, the Red Sox broadcast on Nesson. Like some guy caught a was reaching for a foul ball, I think. And as he's reaching for the foul ball, this dude just chucks a pizza at him. Just like <laughs> some, yeah, some random dude oh, from like three rows funny. up chucks a pizza at him. And the, the broadcast booth is like just doing this hilarious retelling and reenactment of it and like analyzing it. And they thought that the guy had like mud on him, but then they realized it was like pizza sauce, and like it was it was the funniest 
interaction. There was another really good Red Sox broadcast where, you know, man, the, the Red Sox booth on Nesson is so good. They they were cutting around to, like, shots of the crowd, and then they cut to this one, like, couple, and the dude, as they show it on the TV, he reaches over and grabs his wife's breast out of, like, nowhere, <laughs> and it was live. I think they were playing the Orioles in that game, but it was live on Nesson, and the booth is just, like, just goes silent, and then one of them, after, like, 30 seconds of silence, just goes, I thought this was a family show, man, and, like, it's just... <laughs> It was so funny. That's awesome. They were both, like, trying so hard not to crack up on the broadcast. It was so good. And then you have – I'll use this as our transition to <laughs> our awkward transition. Speaking of fun broadcast booths, you know what broadcast booth isn't fun? Fox during the World Series. Oh, yikes. <laughs> no hate on Joe Buck. I actually like Joe Buck, but uh, – not not nearly as animated as some of the local broadcasts, which is fine. No, that's so, for sure. Nor nor as nor as knowledgeable. Yeah. He is a, I guess he has a decent voice, but just some of the stuff he says. He's better at football. Like, digs yeah. sideline touchdown, unbelievable. Like that that call's good. He had a good call when the Cubs won the World Series, but like yeah. when the Red Sox won two thousand four, Red Sox fans long to hear it. It's like. Eh, it wasn't great. Anyways, yeah. enough about the Red Sox because the Nationals are World Series champions. That is that is correct. That I'm a, I've been a Nationals fan. I think let me think now. 2010. Um, friend of the family uh, worked for them since uh, actually last year. Um, he was the director or not? Excuse me, the vice president of revenue. So he yeah. was pretty high up on the on the business side. So uh, I could see a lot of cool games in the Nationals. Uh, I've been to probably, I'd say, 15 Nat- Nationals games at Nats Park. I've been to a few games where the Nationals played the Mets City Field. And I saw uh, Strasburg versus Harvey in prime. So that, that was a fun game. Um, and I saw the, that's actually a Nationals versus Mets game is where I uh, got my first baseball at a major league game from uh, Tanner, Tanner Roark. He is now on Reds, I believe, but uh, it was a toss-up. Uh, I was sitting behind their dugout, and uh, I was the only one there with the big red big red jacket on, and I <laughs> threw my hands up, and I walked down the aisle, and he saw me right, right to me. So uh, that, that was an exciting moment. Uh, also, back in 2016, I was at uh, a game two or maybe it was game three uh, at Nationals Park when they played the Dodgers the NLDS they won that game Go off a Jose Lobatone home run into their bullpen so you're like a yeah. so you're a Nationals fan mainly but mainly yes but you like the so we just talked about the Red Sox a lot but since you know you, for the a lot of the time you live around the Boston area like you just go to end up going to a lot of Red Sox games. Yeah, so I'm not a I'm not a huge like stick with one team kind of guy. Like and I'm a diehard I like baseball, so I'll go to like I don't refuse to go to any ballparks. Like I'll, I'll go to any game, any any, any teams. So I, I just love baseball. Um, but yeah, that definitely just from the areas that I've been in, uh, Red Sox fan, and then uh, Nationals fan. 
And then recently from being in St. Louis the past few months, uh, I said I've uh, rooted for, for the Cardinals a little bit. Um, the Nationals played them, so that was a kind of an interesting situation that I didn't think would uh, would come up, but uh, fun nonetheless. Yeah, and they got there because Strasburg has been incredible this entire postseason, pretty much. Yeah, so he, he really... I mean, so he was by far the most hyped up prospect maybe ever. Yeah. Uh, out of college, he was said he, he was going to be the next great the next great pitcher. And, he, I mean, his debut, he showed it really well. Um, but then kind of he battled some injuries. Um, and it was just kind of the past few years just about staying healthy. Right. And then finally this year he managed to stay healthy for – I believe pretty much the entire year. Um, and so he kind of rode that wave and right into the playoffs and said how what, he went, I think, 5-0. Really five, five oh, yeah, he uh, really the, upped his in play the in the playoffs. playoffs. Like so, the Nationals uh, one started 19-31, and 31 and they just went on an insane run, and their pitching staff was just otherworldly in the playoffs. No, interesting enough, like their 19-31 start it was the worst start ever in LB history. For a World to, Series winning team, yeah, I I, th- I think well, I I think it was for I'm I'm not sure. No, I don't either think that it's... or it might have been. Ever, no, uh, I think I remember hearing that on one of the broadcasts that that was one of the worst starts in MLB history, in 19 and 31. Only 12 um, games under five. Nah, that can't be that can't be the one of the worst starts in MLB history. There were only 12 games under. I don't know. I mean, the Orioles had to be worse this season after 50 games. So we'll we'll have to fact check that one. I'll have to fact check it. I I know it's def it's definitely the worst start ever by a team that won the World Series. But yeah, fact check it. Leave a comment. <laughs> Hit me up on social media and let let me know that I'm right and Luke's wrong, and then post memes making fun of him. That's how we'll get. Yikes. That's how. That's how we'll get engagement on this podcast <laughs> with our viewers. Post memes about the guests so that they don't return, and then I run out of people to talk to, and then it's over. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's been an interesting postseason because I remember when the Nationals first played the Dodgers, and the talk around it was like, you know. The Nationals, they won the wild card game. That was fun. Like, they've been on this crazy run. Maybe they can take a game or two off the Dodgers, and, like, that would be really cool for the city of D.C. And then they go down 2-1 against the Dodgers, but they win game four, and then it goes back to L.A. for game five. And I just have to imagine every Dodgers fan on the planet after the last couple seasons just had to be, like, shaking. Especially, Especially when Dave Roberts... Sox legend for 04, but you know, now he's on a Dodgers manager, so can't like him that much. Puts Kershaw in, and Kershaw immediately b- blows the game. That was, I said, I, I was, I was watching that, and said so from the beginning, I really had no expectations. I, I followed the Nationals, but I'm not a hard. I, I don't like follow them game, game to game, but I followed them a little bit, so I really didn't have. I, I knew they were playing well, but I didn't have or I 
expectation, especially just how, how good the Dodgers were this this year and just other teams. Um, I just really didn't have that high of expectation for them. Um, and then I saw the wild card game, said that off of Josh Hader. The, the Juan Soto hit and the ball took a weird hop or yeah. it's just kind of the Nationals got a lucky break there and uh, from there kind of gained mo- momentum and I, I mean I don't think anybody thought they were going to beat the Dodgers said even me like I said I, I had no expectations I was like oh that'd be, that'd, that'd be cool and then they lost they said they lost but they kept winning and they forced the, forced the game five and then up to, up to that moment where they put where they put Kershaw in, and then those uh, those those two home runs. I think that was um, especially Juan Soto's home run was a bomb. Bomb. I think it was four hundred fifty-one feet, something like that. Yeah, and then they carried <laughs> they carried that momentum into the next series and swept the Cardinals. How do <laughs> how do you think Rob Manfred feels that going into the postseason? It was like all right. It's finally happening. Dodgers, Yankees. The ratings are going to be off the charts. And he ends up with Astros, Nationals. <laughs> yeah, I know. In the lowest ratings of all time. Not, not that. Yeah. Not that I want the ratings to be low. But it's just funny because, you know, screw the Yankees and screw the Dodgers. But yeah, it's just... definitely. I mean, a weird World Series to go off with. Kind of a strange playoff. Yeah. Um But yeah, definitely like that. And then like. That grand slam off Joe Kelly was just un- was unbelievable. Right, like, I could barely like I said I can I, I, I grand slams are things that happen so r- rarely in regular games, like let, let, let alone in an elimination playoff game. Right. Um. So that was again with Howie Kendrick too, a veteran guy. He said that the Nationals were the oldest team in the MLB this year. Um, really, they were the oldest age. team. Yes, they were the oldest team. Cashing in in their yes. in their old age, but they do have some youthful players like Soto. No, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they they kind of have that perfect balance. Right. They have the old Veterans guys. And... They have the uh, they have the young guys. Well, I mean, they happen to have one of the the best young players of arguably all time. He's had one of the best starts to his MLB career of all time at one of the youngest ages. It reminds me a little bit of the 2016 Cubs just a little bit that team was a lot better in the regular season and a lot more dominant but like their I don't know the attitude that they played with it reminded me of the 2016 Cubs yeah I mean when you really again even though I didn't have expectations of much I knew that this was just a different team Uh, just a special team especially when uh, they had Shortrun Opara and that whole baby shark thing happened. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, I don't know. Like, that's just, like, something that's just, like, fun. Like, I mean, yes, it's a job, but at the end of the day, like, it's a sport. And you have to have fun. Right. And you have to love what you're doing. And, um, I mean, it's, it's I mean, there, there's a mix of, yeah, I mean, you can't have too much fun, but I think... At the at the at the end of the day, it's really much about how much you enjoy it. Because I mean, it really is a grind. It's 162 games, plus more if you, if you make the playoffs. It's just every day, and even though it's not like a football or like a a basketball where it's a contact sport, um, just playing every single day. 
and uh, said throwing and just different things, little little injuries that happen here, here and there. So it really is is a grind. So you need that kind of mentality and need that so you need that camaraderie between the the, the teammates. And I think uh, so they could have chose to when when they had their nineteen and 30, thirty one start, they they could have chose to kind of pack it in and go and go through, through the motions, or like they had nothing to lose, so like go for it. So I think they really em- embraced it and they really embraced each other, like. The guys in the in, in that clubhouse are really special. Um, even last year, with uh, Anthony Rendon and Trey Tr- Tr- Turner, they're really good friends. Um, and then you have like the the culture that Anibal San- San- Sanchez brought with Gerardo Parra, just said all, all the dancing, and then they started doing the dances in the dugout. Again, they were just having more fun than everybody out there. So you just love to see a team like that win. You know, it might be addition by subtraction with losing Bryce Harper. Because how much? No, how, I really how, think so. How terrible must he feel that he leaves his team, turns down their offer, goes and takes this huge offer with the Phillies? Phillies don't make the playoffs. Nationals win the World Series without him, and he was arguably their biggest star before he left. And maybe he wasn't. Maybe some people say that he was a media created superstar you know he had a couple really good seasons but that overrated tag in, until he wins a world series it's going to be this is going to haunt him people are gonna make fun of him and be like as soon as you were gone this nationals team went over the hump and that's i don't really know if them not going over the hump previously was his fault but it's just like it looks so bad for his reputation and it's just it's really a comical situation it's, it's hard to think of other ones just like it where a team loses their arguably biggest star and then they go on to win the win the title the next year. And yeah, really, like me being a, a Nationals fan, I never was a fan of Bryce Harper. I just always thought that, yes, good good player, probably a good guy, but seeing too much into Bryce Harper. Right. With the hair and uh, having his custom cleats all the time and stuff like that. He was on the cover like, of MLB The Show this year. <laughs> yeah, no, I said he. I mean, it was. It just seemed like he was too much about him, and you can get away with that in sports like basketball. They said with, with a guy like LeBron, who can carry, who can carry to a team, or Kev, Kevin Durant. You have to be good um, enough to do that. Yeah, you have to be good enough. I mean, Bryce Harper. There's no doubt. He was again one of with Strasburg. One of the most hyped prospects, and said certainly the last few years, maybe, maybe ever. Um, but just things he did in high school were pretty astonishing, and even in uh, junior college when he played. Um, but I think with having that much cockiness and being that much that, that, that full of yourself, and having people from such a young age telling you that you're the greatest, you're, you're the greatest. I think that really affects people, and. Um, I've heard from people who've been around the team that uh, got the guy that took him under his wing was uh, Jason Worth, which Jason Worth was a uh, he really played for himself, and uh, he's, that, he's that kind of player. And it just seems like he, he couldn't have said if he was maybe mentored by somebody else who was more of a team guy. I think things could have been different. Yes, he's a very skilled player, um, but I think just at the, at the end, end of the day. 
Um, he was just too much of a head case for the Nationals. You just... um, as far as just not wanting to make adjustments in in his game because he was thinking that he's too good and stuff like that, and uh, just being just a not great clubhouse presence, so especially uh, kind of highlighted in when they back when they had Papelbon and uh, him and <laughs> him and Papelbon got into a little fight. <laughs> um, Papelbon. I don't think so. There's two sides to the Bryce Harper going. The one, like, yeah, like, think, oh my god, he, he must feel so bad. But on the other, on the other hand, he now has 330 million dollars guaranteed right. money. He's the active of his mind, and he can hit bombs. So uh, I mean, <laughs> he's he's a lot better off than uh, I'd say most of the critics. So is that? But also, when you play the game, play to win. Right. And, if he truly loves baseball, that's one thing is you want to win plenty of guys who have never won a title and uh, that they've definitely wanted that. And that's been kind of like the missing piece. And uh, so I think a title is a big part of why you play the game. So you just, you just it could be too the, the difference between his leadership and like Rendon's leadership where like Rendon is just like this. He's almost like a silent assassin. Like, you know, Soto is very animated. He he does like the little like I don't know how to describe it, like the little shimmy thing, a little dance at the plate, like after pitches and stuff like that. He's doing it all during Game Seven. But like, yeah, Rend- Rendon just goes up and just has like this like cold stare where he's just like, I'm gonna hit bombs off you, and I'm just gonna act like it's just part of my daily routine. Like he just he lays it. He just laid it all out on the field this postseason, and he's so stoic and almost emotionless. Like all, all, all the time, which like I can't. It really is. Like I don't really understand it. Like that's kind of a Strasburg thing too. He used to be very emotionless. He still is a little bit. But I just think that they, they had just a great mix of guys. There was no, I mean, obviously, Anthony Rendon being an MVP candidate this year, like kind of points to him as kind of the, the the leader. But it's this. I mean, he's been doing this for past few years, and it's just that Nationals not being a very popular team, he hasn't got. Got as much press as maybe he, he he deserves, but me being a Nationals fan and kind of watching the past few years, he really is a special player, and he has been that special player that he is now for quite some time now. And, um, a, and another special player the Nationals have. Wh- how what does this World Series title do for Scherzer's legacy? Because that was like the one thing he was missing. You know, he was on that Tigers team that got upset by my beloved Red Sox. In 2013, that had him, Price, Porcello, and Verlander, I believe. And they couldn't get over the hump. And now he's finally got, like, the missing piece, the, the World Series title. And, no, I like, think he's he's definitely cemented himself as one of the best in this generation. Yeah, I'd say he's he's up there top, say top three, maybe top five. Yeah. Is, um, he, is he now above Kershaw now that he has title um it's quite possible and the playoff performances which Kershaw playoff performances yeah I mean like I said for sure both of them kind of have been in decline the past few years it's been a little less noticeable from Scherzer uh Scherzer though this year um he had a he had some injury trouble and he just wasn't the same Scherzer that he has been in years past um but just that fierce competitive nature is what kind of keeps him there just his electric stuff, but I think and it's it's hard to compare uh, pictures because there's so many ways that you can do it. But I just think 
what Scherzer did here is something he's been looking to do for a long time, and he's done pretty much everything else. So he has a Cy Young. He has the strikeouts. He's, he was dominant. And I think now with his World Series, um, so there's you, you just can't help but feel happy for, for the guy. He's got he's got like a Hall of Fame resume now. Oh no, yeah, there's there's no doubt he's definitely going to the Hall of Fame. No doubt, he's definitely headed for Cooperstown. <laughs> I said especially that personality. And it, said that it, was, was, it was awesome that like Fox had like a camera during like the last two innings that was like kind of like just on him. And I know. Just, like, showing so he's his just emotions. Such, so interesting. Because like he's kind of like we said earlier, like there's no. It's, like, a group. Like, the Nationals are more of a group than individuals. But, like, I guess he would be one of their stars. Like, if you asked people on the street, do you know who Anthony Rendon is? Do you know who Juan Soto is? Do you know who Max Scherzer is? I assume out of all those people, Max Scherzer, most people would know, even though even still, you know, they're not – he's not, like, like a superstar. Like, baseball doesn't have a lot of superstars like some other sports. But he's probably, like, the biggest star, I would say, on the Nationals without Bryce Harper. And yeah, I think that's just seeing his reaction was awesome. Like him jumping into the pile with everybody else, and it was really, really special. And yeah, he's been chasing that. that ring, so just, just, just feel so good for him. Yeah, uh, to finally get that ring. Um, and you also feel so good that Osuna didn't, didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, some weird stuff going on with the with the, with the Astros. I think so to kind of maybe. If, if 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 you believe in karma, kind of came back and bit him in the butt a little bit. They've done some yeah, so I do, shady things over the past few years. I do want to talk about that with what happened to the Astros in this series because first ever World Series where the road team won all seven games, which is kind of insane when you think about really it. Really weird. So the, I mean, I think as I think Strasburg was talking about how they had good teams in the past, but they just ran ran into the buzzsaw and said that this year that they, that they just happened to be the buzzsaw. And I feel like they just they just screwed with everything in this in these playoffs. So at first they won the wild card, which I mean was was fine. So they, they had a kind of a fifty fifty chance there. Um, I mean it wasn't like no one was really highly favored in there. Um, but then no one thought they were the Dodgers was going to be going to be either Yankees, Dodgers, Astros, Dodgers, and then they beat the, the, the Dodgers. And then they sweep the Cardinals, which was was astonishing. So I, I was actually I was at uh, two first pitch, I believe it was, and just you, you could hear a pin drop in that stadium. It was so yeah. quiet. So for having the Cardinals fans, kind of are historically really good fans. The Cardinals, of course, uh, have the second most World Series behind the Yankees. So they've had a lot of uh, success in their franchise history. So they've uh, so it gave the city of St. Louis a lot to uh, cheer for and be happy about. Uh, but it was so quiet there. And uh said with with Sanchez and Scherzer just almost throwing no-hitters on back-to-back nights, that just demoralized the team. I mean, just just the way that they just blew, blew through them. And then plus they had six days of rest. Everybody, everybody was like, uh-oh, um, this this could be bad. And then, then they, they came out. Week, yeah. And then they came out and beat Verlander, or they beat Cole and Verlander. They said Cole hasn't been beat since, I, I think it was May. And then Verlander back-to-back, that hasn't happened, I think, since season prior. So they, again, they, they just threw such a 
a wrench in, in into the works of what people thought was, was going to happen. And they were just such, again, an underrated team, a team that kind of came out of nowhere to people who really didn't know or follow them. It was it was a, it was a surprise. I mean, even to fans, it was a, it was a surprise. But like, once you saw that m- momentum and you saw that okay, they have the stuff to eat with these guys, uh, it, it kind of gave you all all the confidence in the, the world. Yeah, so I want to talk like a little bit about how like Game Seven specifically went too. So, Granky was Granky Granky. I, I don't know. It's so it's hard. Granky Granky. Yeah, he was incredible. Like he he was pitching so efficiently, the Nationals couldn't get anything off of him for like the first six innings. That was so frustrating. It was like he makes, to the pitcher, gone to the catcher, pop up. It was. It was he like, makes somebody just put a charge in the ball. He makes one mistake where he leaves a ball hanging over the middle of the plate, and Rendon just crushes it and cuts the lead in half. And then they take him out. AJ Hinch takes him out, which I don't really know if he should. It's tough to say that in hindsight. But then he puts in um, what's his name? Uh, Will something? Harris. Will Harris, yeah. And Will Harris immediately gives up the lead to Howie Kendricks. And we never saw Garrett Garrett Cole this whole game. I mean, how can you like? What are you saving Cole for Game Eight? Maybe he was tired from Game Five, but like, it's like when the Red Sox in Game Five last year just like we're like, all right, enough screwing around. We're just closing it out tonight with Sale, and Sale pitched the last three outs. And like, as soon as he came out, there was not a doubt in any Red Sox fans' minds. Like, oh, okay, we won the World Series. Like, it's over. There, yeah. There's no way they're hitting this guy. Like, I realized that by the time he would have come out, you probably wouldn't have had the lead still. But if you just leave Grunky in and you don't put um, Will – I just forgot his last name again. Harris. If you don't put Will Harris in there and you just go straight to Cole, it's possible that you still have a 2-1 lead with – nine outs remaining and you can p- have Cole pitch six and Osuna the last three I mean sure the Nationals still could have won still hit those guys but they did hit Osuna a little bit but it just seems like their chances to win would have been way up if that had been the move I think that's the kind of the trend that the game's going on now with people relying so heavily on their bullpens and I mean they've been doing that all year as far as doing bullpens things and especially in elimination game game seven uh kind of the kind of the leash is a little bit tighter so but i mean that's kind of natural what happened but i think it definitely did um i think that's the one thing you got to be able to be okay with having your pitcher make some mistakes and kind of trust in your offense because if he's cruising through doesn't have that doesn't have that many pitches like i understand that um, I mean, the more times you go through the lineup, the more likely it is that guys kind of see what you got. You're kind of showing all, all, all your yeah. cards. So there's no, there's, no, there's, there's no surprises. I just think you but, have Granky finish the inning and then put Cole in. No, yeah, I, I agree. So I'm definitely in, like, uh, I, I'm definitely a proponent of kind of sticking with your guy. And uh, so, I mean, it, it's baseball is going to happen. You, you're going to make a bad pitch. Like, so they're. Because you think they're, about what they're humans. You think about what Martinez did. You know, Scherzer wasn't perfect, but he was good. He was 
good. And he lets him finish whatever inning he was in and then brings out Corbin to start an inning. And Corbin just because he gets he starts with a clean inning, he hasn't pitched in a couple days, like Cole. He's able to just come out on fire. He's rested, ready to go. Maybe Cole wasn't as rested as Corbin. Well, he wasn't as rested as Cor- Corbin. But you're just able to to rely on him because you're not putting him into a sticky situation. You're not putting him into a a dangerous inning. And yeah. if it doesn't work, then that's what your your relievers are there to do is to get you out of those situations. No, yeah, exactly. Plus, like, being a starter, too, like, you want to have that kind of fresh inning and do what you're comfortable with. Yeah. And I think, again, it's like, you've got to trust your guy. So I, Martinez said, okay, yeah, Max is going to give up some runs because this is a good offense. And, I mean, that's just the way the game goes sometimes. Sometimes you just don't have your best stuff. But, I mean, but, like, Martinez trusted it in, in Scherzer. But, like, Greinke had his best stuff out there, and uh, Hinch didn't trust him. Yeah. So that was uh, kind of interesting. Even though even though um, the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, it reminds me of Game 7 when uh, Joe Madden took out Kyle Hendricks, who was just, you know, had made some mistakes, but for the most part was really good. And they took him out super early and put Lester in there. And then they also took out the catcher because Lester has to have David Ross catch. And actually, SB Nation did a really good, like, they have a series called Rewind. They did a really good, like, breakdown analysis of Game 7 of the 2016 World Series. But Lester and Ross immediately give up a couple runs and let the Indians right back into it when it should have been just – they should have just comfortably coasted to the win. And then, you know, yeah. Ross ended up putting him in. ended up not being a terrible move because he hit the home run to 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 uh, extend the lead later. But, man, it's just like trust your guy. If he's, if he's cruising, let him cruise. And then you had to put Chapman in there. They had to put Chapman in there early because Lester couldn't hold as long as he thought he could. So then Chapman gives up the lead and it goes to extra innings. And, I mean, the, the Cubs won the World Series, but if they, had, if they had lost that series and the drought continued, oh, my God, that would have been, that would have been an all-time scrutinized managing game from, from Joe Madden. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's talked about either about how much the Indians blew that, that blew, blew that series. But I mean, everybody and was, so then with the, it, it was sandwiched by the Warriors blowing a three-one lead and by the yeah, Falcons yeah. blowing a twenty-eight to three lead. So being in the middle, people just kind of forgot about it. But yeah, exactly. But it, that was bad. All the all the three-one lead memes that Cleveland fans were making about the Warriors came back to bite them. Yeah, it definitely did. <laughs> there was a. I forget. There's like a thing where like LeBron at his Halloween party, which was during the World Series, had a de- decorations that said like three one lead or whatever, and then like people took those and like <laughs> this backfired on Cleveland bad. It was funny, but yeah, just a crazy, crazy baseball season. A lot of weird stuff happened. No, yeah, that's that's for sure. Did and uh, and a crazy playoff to back it up. Yeah, I hope the Red Sox get back in next year. But just to like recap, like kind of what's happened in the last couple of years of baseball, it's been kind of insane because you have the Nationals winning their first ever, you have the Cubs winning for the first time in 108 years, which my grandfather's a Cubs fan, so I was very invested in that playoff run. That's kind of when I first started to really pay attention to baseball. 
Astros won their first one. The Dodgers just have all these collapses throughout the whole decade. Like, year after year of them being like, oh, Kershaw's a choker. And it's like, oh, no, now this is the year. And then it's not. Yeah. And then the one year where it looked like they might have threatened the win record, but then they went on that big losing streak, but then they made the World Series anyway, but then they lost the World Series. And then the Red Sox won two with that crazy ups against the Tigers. And then last year, they just, like, same thing with the Astros. They just lost all their home playoff games again. Yeah, like and, and then the Royals won. They, yeah, they, the Royals made it won. Two, they made it two years in a row, and they won. Uh, the second one against the Mets of all teams. The, the, the Mets have been to the World Series. It feels which is kind of. It feels disappointing that the Indians didn't win one this decade because they've had it very, very, very much so. They had yeah. a really good team, and the fact no, that yeah, they they they, they really had, and even a few years like there was a few playoff series where they were just in, in dog fights with the Astros or they were dog fights with the Yankees, and those were those were really good in the, in the past few years. And they swept and, uh, the Red Sox that one year. I know they, they they were so they were on a roll. They were really cruising, and um, it is really just kind of too bad that they never won one because they they did have really have a chance. But so they've they, they've kind of said so Brantley's gone, Bauer's gone. I, I think Santana's gone. Um, just a, a lot of their core guys are gone from the Indians. So yeah, and like. Corey Kluber had that amazing 2016 run. Like, they were one win away. I mean, good for Cubs fans, but, man, Indians fans just have to be like, that was our shot. Yeah. That was our shot. And now Chief Wahoo's gone. So. <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse. Yeah. The, well uh, the Washington Redskins are next <laughs> when it comes to that. Yeah. Uh, but the best news of baseball in the decade do you know what the best news of the decade is? I have, I have a feeling. The Yankees. Zero World Series appearances. The Red two Sox. Billion, almost $2 billion. <laughs> they spent almost $2 billion. You got Judge. You got Stanton. Doesn't matter. I understand the first half. They were rebuilding after they won in 09. Congratulations. Since 2001, 4-1. Red Sox to Yankees World Series. That's all I'm going to say. You know, most people that tell me, oh, we got 27 rings or whatever. Most of the people that tell me that, if you're older, all right, I respect it. Most people that tell me that, though, they're all, they've only been alive for one of the World Series they've won. Yeah, and, and, and even that one, they were like in third grade. So I got, I got, a, I got a quick audio clip to play just to, just to celebrate the fact that the <laughs> Yankees lost again. Sorry, like you can't hear this. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. It just warms my heart. You know, I want to be a part of it, New York. You know, I don't think the Yankees ever recovered from George Costanza. You know, he was on, he was, he was, he was part of that franchise for a couple years. They won. They had a three-peat, but uh, they were never able to recover. They shouldn't have traded Costanza for Tyson Chicken. That was the biggest mistake in franchise history. Steinbrenner needs to be raked over the coals for that because I think they, so. they have not been nearly as relevant in the post-Costanza era. That, 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 that'll be in history books. 
in the years to come. <laughs> what 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 George Costanza did for the Yankees franchise. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that, man, a couple seasons of Seinfeld where he was working at the Yankees were like those episodes were so good. When he has to get the calzone for Steinbrenner and then he gets banned from the calzone shop because <laughs> he puts a tip in the tip jar, but the guy doesn't see him do it. And he wants like the guy to be grateful. So he tries to take it out and then put it back in, but the guy catches him and he chases out of the store. But then he can't go back and get the calzone, so he has to hire Newman to get calzones for him. But then Steinbrenner almost fires George because Newman doesn't show up with the calzones because Newman's a postman, but apparently he says he doesn't like working in the rain. So he doesn't go. It just that show's brilliant. I don't have to tell you how brilliant Seinfeld is, but just George working at the Yankees, and then he shows up and he like says that, "Oh, you guys have been hitting wrong all this time." And they're like, "What do you mean? Who are you?" He's like, "He's like I'm George Costanza." And then he like hits a home run off the pitching machine. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Out of the park. Uh, so funny. They they that was when they hit their peak. And then he then he suggested cotton jerseys and they shrunk and it's been all downhill from there. Man, I guess I guess that's gonna do it for our baseball discussion. I feel like this has been a pretty successful first episode. I had I had fun talking about yeah. drunk guys at Fenway Park and Yes, that was good. AJ Hinch making pretty much the first mistake of his managing career. The first major mistake to actually cost them something. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the Red Sox were just too good. And by the way, Bregman, this is karma for last year when you talked crap about the Red Sox after winning one game. One game in Fenway. And you took to social media to troll the Red Sox. Well, you know what? They didn't lose a game against you after that last year. And you didn't go back to the World Series this year. Neither did we. But you did not win it again. Sorry, you went back to the World Series, but you did not win. Yeah, it we didn't win it. Yeah, so I think that that was that, that was that was a big part of their loss. Bregman, their MVP, just didn't show up. Yeah, I do feel a little bad because his grandfather died right before Game Seven. But you know, I read an article on Bleacher Report where I forget if Bregman said this or if they were saying this about Bregman, but they basically said Bregman wants to be the LeBron of the MLB, and this is like a year or two ago. This I think this was during last season, the 2018 season, and I was like, give me a break. Something about him, man. I just don't like that dude. Yeah. So it's it's funny, like Soto mimicked him. It just seems like Soto's just so much more likable. Wholesome, yeah. I don't know, he just seems like you know, just like he's having fun as a kid, like Bregman just seems like cocky. Soto reminds me of Devers. Yes, he definitely does. They're they're kinda like the same. To be fair, if Soto did the um the whole shtick with uh the dancing at the plate and stuff like that. If he started talking a ton of trash, I feel like that would all of a sudden become really unlikable. But yeah, but I think it was just kind of his thing, just to kind of get yeah. confident and show the pitchers like I'm, I'm not afraid. And yeah, I mean, he's just having fun up there. He's confident. He's having fun. He's not talking crap and stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I just like him a lot. So I, I don't know how you can't like him. But I mean, some of his things come up might come off cocky a little bit. But uh, I think he's he's gonna have a good future. But it should be not only his future, but it should be interesting to see what happens with the Nats' future and uh, free agency. Where do you think that, that'll Cole's be interesting? Going, real quick. Um, I've heard the Angels. Interesting. Um, I guess think it may, I think it makes sense because uh, he lives around there. Um, plus they want 
they need to build around uh, Trout. But two huge contracts, I'm not sure that'll right. kind of handicap them. I mean, but they could take some advice from uh, the athletics of the Rays and how to make a cheap team. <laughs> Moneyball. Um, yeah, a little Moneyball. I mean, and they—I mean, they—they both—they both contended. So the Shout Rays out to Brad Pitt. Really good. No, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Brad Pitt. Um, but the Rays look pretty good this, this year. I think they'll—they'll—they'll they'll, they'll have a success in in the in, in the future. Also, we'll see where Rendon goes too, because yeah. after him having a monster year and have like having multiple monster years, but yeah, he, he's getting contract. a little bit. He's getting a little bit older, but uh, I'm not sure if he'll say. I mean, I'd like to think that he'd stay at, stay at the Nats, but uh, I, I just don't know. But all right, well, that's gonna do it for this first episode. We hit just an hour, just a little bit over an hour. I think this is a really Perfect. good talk and. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at Trainers Takes, Trainers Takes on both Instagram and Twitter. You'll find it. Blog should be up in the next week or so. I'm gonna start writing on there. I'm gonna write about my top ten most entertaining teams in the NBA as my first introductory piece. Got a little bit of Luca on there, my guy. Uh, I'm also a Clippers fan, so gotta have the clips on there. I know I'm, I'm Boston everything besides the Clippers, so. It's, it's a weird conundrum. I'll explain it maybe in that blog poster on an episode of the pod where we talk about the NBA. But this has been Trainers Talks. Thank you, Luke, for coming on. It's been a blast. And we're going to do another episode together in about a month, I think, when we're both home from college for Thanksgiving. We're going to record one live in person. Audio will be a little bit better. We won't have to do it over, over Discord audio with my weird OBS setup where I'm I'm recording Minecraft because I need need to give OBS a video input. So obviously you're not going to see or hear anything Minecraft when you listen to this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's how I'm just going to rip the audio from that recording. And that's how this is being uploaded. So a little behind the scenes for you in the first episode. But yeah, follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Should be notifying you on there whenever a new episode is up for Trainers Talks or whenever there's a new blog post on trainers takes and the podcast will also be going up on that website too when it is finished so thank you all and have a great night